Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Thank you for listening. We will be back next week with other guests invited to help you, our audience, improve operations, expand marketing, reduce cost, enable better personnel management, and add profits. Remember, all of our shows are archived at www.blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. You can hear this show and all others at your leisure. If you like the show, tell others about it. Want to make a comment or be a guest? Email us at editor at is-incorp.com. Your host was Don Mazella, Editorial Director of Small Business Digest. Until next time, keep faith with the ideals that made America great. And remember, small business is still the backbone of commerce. Well, that was our new intro. Well, that's actually our outro. Sorry about that, folks. Don't go away. We have a very interesting program uh, today. Um, uh, and I might even do the intro at the outro. But in the meantime... Uh, here's a very fascinating interview. It's so fascinating, it's not even playing yet. It, um... Hi, this is Maury Moreland Morrison, here to tell you Geico has more than just great savings. Much more. Geico's been around for more than 75 years, back when they were using Morse code. Sorry, that's just my sense of humor. What's more, with Geico, you get 24-7 access to licensed agents on the app, online, or over the phone, so you can talk to them at night or in the morning. So forevermore, just know that no other auto insurer has more more than Geico. More power to you. Geico, expect great savings and a whole lot more. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. We have a a very interesting person as our next guest. Uh, He uh, had a rock band, and now he's an IT entrepreneur. Tom Crowley, welcome to the program. Hello, Don. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be with you. Well, you know, um, with with that introduction, actually my first question is, um, tell us a little bit about how you got to be a... um, rock band opening for three dog nights etc and then we'll go into what you're doing now sure sure well i was very fortunate growing up um i had a brother 10 years my elder who started playing drums in high school and when he went off to college he left the drums at home so it all started there just started to play along with the jukebox old jefferson airplane and beatles records and then just played all the way through high school and through college and Ended up in a band out in Los Angeles and ended up getting a record deal with MCA, and I spent about four years out there as a full-time working uh, musician. And just, I was living my dream, Don. I was a very fortunate man. <laughs> well, you uh, you opened with, uh, it says here, Three Dog Night and the Beach Boys. Um, that's right. That's fascinating. Um, but I, I'm a question. What what made you give it up finally? Actually, to this day, I still play. I just uh, actually have this is my day job instead of that is my day job. So I currently have a working band that that's playing around the Chicago area as well as um, 
I'm in the recording studio right now recording another uh, another record, a, a short five-song EP. So uh, I really haven't let it die, I'm, and it's just something I just absolutely love. And my wife understands that, my kids understand that, and I'm just uh, very blessed to be able to continue that as well as have this business. Oh, uh, what's the name of your band? My band now is called the Wichita Jacks. It's kind of an acoustic electric outfit to play. We just played in some clubs and some events around the Chicago area, and we're a kind of a southern rock slash jam band type outfit. And you know, we just all all guys around the same age. We just have a blast doing it. Well, that, that sounds fascinating. I'll ask one more quick question. What was the name sure. of your band when you were in L.A.? It was called Idle Tears. I D L E Tears. And we were actually out of the Lake County, uh, Libertyville, Illinois, when we started and um, ended up out there curing a record deal with MCA. And we cut a record and had a you know video or two on MTV back in the day when MTV actually showed videos. And uh, along the way, that's when we actually had that opportunity to go out and play with the Beach Boys and Three Dog Night. That was on the 4th of July. Uh, at the, on the mall at Washington D.C., it was it was quite an event. Wow. So, well, did you meet your wife while you were with the band, or or afterwards? Actually, met her uh, right around here. We were just out one evening, and she happened to be in this in the same place as me, and and that was it. <laughs> so, yep, met that's her always the here. case. You don't know how yeah. it happened. Bam. Right. <laughs> well, now, okay, we know what your nighttime job is. Now, what is your daytime job? <laughs> so I'm uh, currently CEO of MBX Systems, also located in Libertyville, Illinois. Um, my wife and I founded the company back in 1995 as a, as a components company. At that time, we were called Drive Express, and we opened up in the midst of the Windows 95 explosion pretty much pre-internet when all the purchasing was done through the computer shopper magazine. People remember that old Bible. And uh, the business has since evolved to where we've become a, a OEM server appliance manufacturer as well as a custom OEM manufacturer of uh, servers and computer systems for software companies around the globe. Hmm. Well, if I recall, you, uh, apparently you like Libertyville, but I, um, I, I'm probably wrong, but I thought the, the old Bell Labs was out that way. Uh, you know, it was a big, I, big tech center. Yes, there, there are definitely pockets up uh, in the you know north part of the Chicago metropolitan area. I forget exactly where Bell Labs might have been, but I think you're correct on that. And well, uh, well, motor, motor, Sorry, go ahead. No, no. Well, you know, there's a correlation of uh, good programmers and uh, people who understand IT are also good musicians. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if you're aware of that, but uh, it's been uh, shown many times. And uh, but anyway, that. Um, but now you have a company. When you say a customized OEM, what do you do? So. Um Right now, we 
we engage with software companies who are looking to deploy their software. Software companies look to deploy their software really any way they can, right? Some are in the cloud, some are on a hardened appliance like we make, um, some as a service. So we engage them when they're interested in getting an optimized server that's going to run their software, you know, the, the best it can be. So it's still a uh, very strong and solid deployment method. So a software company engages us, we talk to them, we run them through a complete design process of the hardware, identifying the exact points of the machine that's going to help them optimize their software when a customer plugs it in. And then we also will take it the next step in terms of branding the machine and branding the outer boxing and creating all the inside marketing materials. And then we can ship it pretty much anywhere around the globe, and then we can support it anywhere, pretty much anywhere around the globe. We handle their certifications, as well as uh, we can assist them with their updates. But uh, so. I'm, I'm a little confused. Yeah, um, uh, a lot of companies are going to the clouds, uh, clouds to get their, their, their software. The, yeah. What you provide is, is a box where they want to install it in their own facility, or I'm a little confused, and I'm sorry to, uh, I know enough IT to be dangerous. Sure, sure. So um, it's really, it's, it's a combination. Some of our boxes do, and some of our customers' machines do up, end up in the cloud. And, you know, the, by, by definition, the cloud is, it's almost subjective, right? You know, there's public cloud, there's private cloud. Um, so a lot of our customers might put it in a public cloud where it might be used as software as a service. Otherwise, they might bring it within their facility and use it just, you know, deploy it right within their database or, I mean, their, their data center and make it available to their, to their customers within their, you know, four walls, so to speak. So it's, it's really become a mix but they're still interested in something that will run their software in the most optimized fashion, be it in the public cloud or private cloud. Does that make sense? Yes. Well, let me see if okay. I can put it in, in my terms. Because sure. this program is um, to elicit, um, uh, elicit information. So basically, um, if I come up with a new program, you, you you develop a box that runs it optimally, and then if, if they want to sell it as a, a, a cloud, they put it in their own facility and allow people to run off of it. Is, would that be a way of putting it? That would be one. That would be one deployment method, correct? You know, and actually, our our customers are once removed from the actual end user because their our customers are selling it to their end users. So right. yes, that would that that would that would sum up you know one version of how they would deploy it. Correct. Okay, and the other one is they put the, uh, an optimal machine together and, and then actually install it in the customer's facility if they wanted it. Correct. Am I correct? Yes, yes. that would be considered so that the private cloud or you know right. their server room. <laughs> You know, so. Right. 
Well, you know, uh, it's such a refreshing change. I think for the last six months, all I've had on this program, people talking about going to the cloud, going to the cloud. And here we have somebody who says, well, I build machines so you don't have to go to the cloud. You know, it's, <laughs> That's it's right. refreshing. Oh, um, good. good. Well, That's good to hear. Yeah. Well, no, it is. Um, but uh, you, you're... Um, uh, how big an operation, how many people do you have working for you, and how big an operation do you have? Sure. We have, um, currently we have about 130 employees, um, and we're in a 84,000 square foot facility, and we can currently do, our, our throughput is just on one shift is probably 10 and 17,000 units a month, and... And that's that's basically the size of where we are right now. We, you know, we're 21. We'll be 22 years old in April, and we, uh, you know, we're still as much as a lot of software has gone to the cloud. We're still seeing a significant demand for this type of software deployment. So we're still on a growth path, and that's it's very exciting. And one of the other things we do is we look towards uh, verticals that are hardware dependent. So, for example, um, being able to support customers who are in the basically the video space, where they actually need some type of a hardware, is is also a growing part of our business. As well as you might, un, you know, guess the storage business. People need boxes to 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 do storage and disaster recovery, and those are some of the other uh, stronger markets that we do. Uh, and in the process, what we're also expanding upon is other capabilities where we can not only deploy the software, but see what other services we might be able to assist them on when it comes to um, engineering or logistics or maybe some ad more advanced support services. And then we also are involved, we actually invest in our own software team. And the software that we make available to our customers has been a, a key differentiator in uh, many of the deals that we've secured. So we're very proud of that and continue to, to invest in that as well. Well, uh, you're in business 22 years. What are some of the, what are the three things you've, you've learned that you, you would pass on to our audience? Sure. Which remember, mostly small business uh, owners. Um, I'd say first, listen to your wife. <laughs> That's a, that's, we wholeheartedly that's, with that one. <laughs> you know, but honestly, I'm serious. There's, as she's not working in the business full time, and you know, I'll come home and I'll throughout the years bounce some some things off of her, and you know, she'll make me realize some things that I, I'm, you know, so immersed in the weeds that I can't see. But um, honestly, we've been, uh, you know, she's just been so wonderful and. Not only is a wonderful mother and wife, but actually is a you know an advisor. Um, uh, two other things I would say is um, what what I've learned is you can't you just always need to find the best people you possibly can and take your time doing it. And I've been very fortunate that I'm surrounded right now by employees who who really care, and we've. You know, created a culture here of that. And so I would say that just, you know, hire the best that you can. 
and be open to learn from them. You know, there's so many people here much smarter than I am, and that's that's what I have done and will continue to do. And then um, probably third is, you know, have just have some fun along the way. You know, don't forget that, you know, it's a, it's a short life, and, uh, you know, as much as, as passionate as you can be about your business and as much as you want to make it succeed and, you know, just always remember to keep your sense of humor. <laughs> That's what I'd say. Well, um, um, how have you financed your growth? I'm sorry? How have you financed your growth? Um, we've had oh, sure we've had um, consistent lending with uh, local lenders here in the Chicago area. Been an asset-based lending um, situation. So receivables and inventory through um, through local banks in in the Chicago area at this point. We haven't needed to go out for any additional uh, funding. There are also two. Our bank was also able to um, lend us the money to do the expansion that we did in 2012. Over the what are, what do you think has been your um, a problem that you've overcome? Some of the big big problems you overcome. You 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 you've morphed into a company. How did you uh, decide to morph into the company you are today? That's, that's a great question. I'll try to keep it short. Um, you know, along the way, as technology has changed, we've, we've had to adapt. And so what, what our culture promotes is that constant 360 view of the tech world in terms of where we're playing and, you know, trying to stay on top of the latest trends and talking to our customers and, and seeing, where the, seeing where we might need to shift or not shift. Um, so really just paying attention to the market, paying attention to our customers. You know, I've had, I think we're on our, you know, fourth name in 22 years because of how things have changed. And, um, and this is another year of change where we're expanding our software capabilities as well as our, our service capabilities. So that's pretty much been the mantra is to keep our eyes open and and develop ways to respond to the market in a way where we can keep going. Um, uh, have you made any mistakes along the way? <laughs> That's a much longer conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I, I absolutely have. Um, one of the ones was not realizing early on when, and, uh, in terms of the importance of, you know, making sure you have the best people in place. Um, the, what, what we try to do, um, we have a, an annual planning process and one of the things we do is we have a section in the planning process called the brutal facts. So it's a very open and candid discussion about, you know, where we are and, and what, what the market is doing, what our employees are doing and to, uh, to, to, and address, you know, head on any mistakes that we've made. Um. And I, you know, I've, yeah, my, my list is many of the mistakes I've made, but I think that, you know, like, like anybody who does what I do or any other entrepreneurs, they make mistakes, but you learn from them and then you move on. 
Well, Tom, what's the name of your company, and how do people um, find you? Well, we're MBX Systems, like Michael Boy X-Ray Systems, and it's mbx.com. And that's where you can find us, and all of our contact information is there, as well as uh, some employee information and some career information. We are hiring right now, and uh, excited about the future. What do you look for in a hire? Um, really look for, you know, obviously depending on the position, you know, for a skill set that is required to, you know, fill that position the best it can from a skill set standpoint. And then really just get more into the human side of the person in terms of, you know, who they are, what their interests are, um, look at their background, look at what, you know, describe where they see themselves, and, you know, see if at the end of, at the, at the, end of the discussion, see if there's a fit there. And some people have obviously fit, and, you know, others you, you just, you know, move past. And so that's what we look for. Good. Have you ever had had the occasion to fire somebody, and what did you learn from it? I'm sorry. One more time. Um, have Have you had to let somebody go, and what did you learn from it? Sure. Un- yes. Unfortunately, that's one of the um, the hardest things to do in my position, and um, really, what you learn from it is. What didn't we discover during the initial interview process that we could have uncovered, spent more time on figuring out in advance of actually bringing them on? And, you know, there have been times where we think we've done everything and looked at, you know, we thought we've covered all the bases in terms of a hire and extended an offer and somebody comes on and it doesn't work out. So you just do the best you can when it comes to you know, learning from that and, and adjusting your approach and your hiring process and maybe coming up with other questions that are more uh, suited to uncover some things that would either bring them on or not. That's a good answer. Um, uh, Tom, what, where is your next uh, gig on your band? Uh, <laughs> Actually, I'm in the studio so I haven't set up any live stuff, but I plan on having that uh, that little record done in a couple months here. And then summertime is when we like to get out and play some of the outdoor venues around. So I'm sure it'll be uh, sometime in the summer. And we have a – the band has a website, wichitajacks.com, and so we post our, our, uh, our schedule up there. So if anybody wants to check it out, go ahead. Well, um – We'll have to get back to you in the summertime and see about that. Maybe you can play one of your songs on our show. But Tom, <laughs> it's been a real. Well, why not? You know, we do everything on this to. show. <laughs> I, I'd love to, Don. It's been a. It's been, I'm really honored to be speaking with you, and you know, grateful to have the opportunity to be on your show today. Well, I'm. We're really glad you came by. You certainly gave us a lot to think about, and we thank you. Uh, and and like I say, when the record's out, call, call us back, and we'll 
We'll see what we can do about it. I'll, I'll send you a free copy. <laughs> you, you got it. I will really look forward. Have a good day and best to you. Thank you very much, Don, as well to you. Thank you. And now, insurance-minded speeches from GEICO. It's a common expression, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. However, what if the horse's mouth is filled with useful insurance tools? This is the exact case with the GEICO app. Yes, the app is free and therefore a gift horse. However, look inside the app and behold, emergency roadside assistance, digital ID cards, bill pay. Get the GEICO app, look it in the mouth, get amazing services. Thank you. We have our next guest, Pamela uh, Weber. Hi, Moreland Morrison, here to tell you Geico has more than just great Hi, Don, savings. how are you? Much more. How are you doing? have been around for more than 75 years, well, back when they were you. using Morse code. I'm just waiting for this. Just uh, my sense of humor. What's more, with Geico, you get 24-7 access to licensed agents on the app, online, or over the phone, so you can talk to them at night or in the morning. So forevermore, just know that no other auto insurer has more more than Geico. More power to you. Geico, expect great savings and a whole lot more. Pamela Weber, welcome to the program. She's uh, she's Chief Marketing Officer for 99designs, which I, uh, I, I want to know a lot more about before we're finished. But uh, Pamela, welcome to the program. But as we ask all our guests, tell us a little bit about yourself personally before we learn a lot more about 99designs and um, your topic for today. Sure. Um, well, first, thanks for having me on the show, Don. I really appreciate it. Um, so I'm Pam Weber. I am the Chief Marketing Officer for 99designs. We are the world's largest global online marketplace um, for graphic design services to serve um, small businesses and entrepreneurs like your audience. And um, mm. my background is I, I'm a marketer by trade. Um, I've also started a small business, so I have entrepreneurial experience. Uh, and I've spent most of my career in the consumer or B2B Internet space. Um, and, yep, that's me. Okay. But uh, let's dig a little deeper. When you say you're in a marketplace, please explain what 99design does, because that's the question that, that I've already had three people send uh, uh, email me across my desk. Sure, no problem. Um, so 99designs helps uh, businesses or entrepreneurs get uh, graphic design needs that um, uh, graphic design projects completed. Uh, we're well known for logos, websites, app design, um, email design, business card design, you name it. And our model is unique in that you can come to our site and um, to tell our designers what type of design you're looking for. Let's say it's a logo for a new coffee shop that you're going to open. You can describe the type of design you're looking for. You can provide inspiration to those designers. And then designers will compete for your business. They'll provide you options. You'll take a look at things and decide what you like and what you don't like. And um, once the process is finished, you end up with a design that um, is uh, ideally what um, ex exactly what you were envisioning, even though oftentimes it's hard for us to um, to envision the perfect design until we see it. That, that's that's very true. But uh, uh, okay, I'm I'm a small business. I need a a, a new logo and the whole graphics 
package. Many people don't realize that not only do you need a logo, but you need ways of uh, ensuring that it's used properly uh, in, in your stationery, etc. Um, how, how does one? So I go on and I say, this is this is what my company's about, and now the, uh, and this is what I think I want as an uh, logo, or is is there more to it? Um, so uh, I, I would say what is unique about us is we help get that information out of you in a way that's easy for you to communicate it. So as, um, as, as business people or entrepreneurs, we're generally not well versed on how to talk to designers, how to use their lingo. So what we um, do well is we help you give the information to the designer such that the designer can translate that into the design you're looking for. And let me provide you an example. With our process, we first, um, to, if you're going to get a logo on our site, the first part of the process is we provide you many logos and we ask you which ones you like. We provide different styles, different color palettes, and um, you choose the, the ones that you like. So that helps our designers. It gives our designers information on the style and colors and other elements that are interesting to you. Then we do ask you a little bit about your business. We'll ask you your business's name, of course. We'll ask you about your target customer and who, um, who you're trying to reach. We'll ask you a little bit more details on, um, on the business. And then we will also ask you for some inspiration if there are other logos or designs out there that are really compelling to you, and we'll allow you to, to upload those to the site. And then that package of information is presented to our designers such that um, they can use their, you know, their skills and their design thinking in order to um, deliver um, a design to you that is in line with those preferences that you have communicated to us. Is that helpful? It's, it's helpful. Um, uh, I, I'm uh, going back. I've I've been involved with design for uh, uh, a, a, a long time, and uh, uh, I've worked with a, a lot of good designers. But I've I've found uh, uh, that oftentimes, uh, uh, as someone once told me, most of my um, my taste is in my mouth rather than in my. Ability. <laughs> Well, um, we like to say to to each his own, but um, you're very lucky in that you have, uh, you know, found designers that you, you know, have worked like to work with. It sounds like, um, you know, a lot of our customers are, are new businesses or entrepreneurs who don't have a relationship with a designer, and so our platform gives them the opportunity to, you know, get that design and to meet various designers. So through our mm -hmm. process. You actually, you know, see, you know, different designers provide you ideas, and very often you will find that our entrepreneurs and and small businesses continue on to work with a designer who first designed their logo, or they might use our product to get another design um, done in another uh, in another area, like a business card or an email template or a website, and end up working with um, designers, um, you know, that designer. So it's interesting in that we've, you know, kind of created and. You know, yes, we do deliver a final product to you, but we really also um, have given you the opportunity to meet designers and to establish a relationship with them that you can work um, and you can work with them on an ongoing basis. Well, well, um, uh, you know, th that's the the bugaboo for for companies like yours um, is uh, uh, what prevents uh, a client from. Uh, liking the, the a designer and then going uh, around you and saying, look, instead of paying the fee, I'll, 
work directly with you. Um, so uh, the way we think about it is we would like to provide the carrots as opposed to the stick per se. And so we create a really great working space for the customer and the designer such that they can easily communicate. Um, our website allows you to um, you know, actually comment on parts of a design. So you can click on a design and say, oh, I'd like this to be a little bit more rounded or um, you know, I'd like to you know, change the color of this area such that it's a bit darker. Um, so we provide a really good uh, working environment for both the customer and the designer to communicate. We also um, take care of payments and we keep payments secure. So the customer doesn't pay until the designer delivers the work and so we can you know, serve as that intermediary to make sure that both the customer and the designer are getting um, you know, what they um, intend out of our service. So again, we provide you know the the, the positivity or the, the you know the great working environment, and then the payments, security of payments, and those really are the components that um, help um, in, entice our designers to stay and work with us on our platform, and help our customers to um, keep coming back. I, I know um, you're providing a very important service, and that's one of the reasons why you're on. But you're also here to talk about something else. T um, uh, you have you have some interesting uh, data to share with us. Um, I do. So, um, uh, so um, I guess. Uh, sorry, I'm struggling a bit because on your website we talked. Um, you mentioned that we can talk about some of the great tools that are available for entrepreneurs, and some of those that I've used myself as an entrepreneur, as well as 99's Designs has been using. Um, the other topic I could talk about is some research we've done around male and female entrepreneurs and some differences we found um, in how they approach their business. So I'm prepared to talk about either, um, and I just wanted to make well, sure we'll talk about both. to your audience we and what your audience is expecting. <laughs> no, no, we'll talk about both. Let's, well, let's start with the differences first, and then we'll do the other. Okay, cool. So... Um, so uh, we, um, you know, 99designs services many small businesses and entrepreneurs. We've had over um, 400,000 uh, businesses use our products. So we do have um, a good amount of data on them. And most recently, we conducted a survey where we tried to um, identify if there were um, interesting um, elements of our, of our entrepreneurs' audience that we thought, you know, either could help us with our business or might be able to help others. And um, we didn't even intend to do this survey in this way, but we, um, we actually found that when we cut the data by male versus female, there were some pretty um, stark differences in how um, these, uh, in how the genders responded to um, how they are approaching their entrepreneurial venture. So we found that really interesting. For example, um, just in terms of demographics, we found that men tend to start their entrepreneurial ventures at a younger age than women do. Um, we found that men tended to spend more time on their venture than women. Um, and then what else did we find? We found that, um, uh, that, that you know, when, when entrepreneurs are looking for ways in which to improve their skills, then men tended to turn to books women tended to, to um, turn to the traditional academic environment of the classroom. So these are just a couple of them. And it was just really intriguing to us because, you you know, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that you've, you know, read about this, you know, sort of gender differences are 
gosh, we've been talking about them for years, but at least in terms of the entrepreneurial space, I think that's been a relatively recent um, recent topic of interest um, as, uh, you know, you've seen companies focus more on gender diversity and, um, you know, making sure that, uh, you know, we are allowing people of all different races, colors, genders to um, have the opportunities in America that we want them to have. So, um, when you know, when we came upon this data, we thought, gosh, this is so topical um, that we felt compelled to kind of, you know, figure out what it really all meant and to dig into it um, such that we could uh, help, again, both our business and others, um, others who work with entrepreneurs. Hmm, that's very interesting. But I'd like to back up a little bit on a couple of things you said you know, um, because they're fascinating. If I heard you correctly, you said that uh, men tend to spend more time uh, than women uh, uh, in, in their ventures. Did I hear you correctly? That is correct. So when we ask the question, um, you know, how many hours a day are you working on your venture, the men um, provided, you know, more hours than the women did. That's really surprising. Uh, to, uh, I, I believe the study, it's just intuitive uh, in my experience, I've always felt that the, uh, the women seem to spend uh, more mm -hmm. time at it than, than the men, but, but uh, uh, I, I'm sure that, that that's fascinating. And the other one that uh, men, if I heard you correctly, start at an earlier age than women. That, um, that's mm -hmm. more yeah, in line with correct. our experience. You know, yeah, so let's uh, talk about uh, both of Let's talk about both of those because I think they're actually related. So um, the, when we asked the questions um, around how you're spending your days, we actually found that um, w men did say, yes, I'm spending more time on my venture. And we found that women were sa saying that they still spend more time with the family. So what we took from that data is that, and then also I should say that generally men, um, we also specified paid work, your venture, and, and you know, the, the family and home. And so um, what we found is that men also were spending more time on paid work. So what we took from this is that when men are making the trade-off of how to spend their time um, when it comes to a venture, they're generally trading off the paid, maybe the current paid work they have, or let's call it their day job, whereas women might be trading off family time. And so we think that's really why it is, not so much that it has anything to do with you know, men versus women being less um, you know, hardworking or, or into their venture, but more about what that trade-off is. And I think that's also related to the, the age of when the venture is started. So um, our, um, our hypothesis is that women are starting at a little bit later age because they are tending to spend more time at home with, you know, younger children, and that when those children are, you know, in school or when they feel as if they can sort of separate themselves a little bit more, that is an opportunity for them to really engage in a venture. So I think, again, the, answer, and the reasons for those results um, mostly have to do with, you know, unfortunately kind of what we've been talking about over the last 50 years or so, where you know it is difficult when men have tr women have traditionally been with the family, and women are looking to um, you know figure out how they can kind of have the family as well as um, have the venture and entrepreneurial career that they would like. Well, very very. Yeah. Can you give us a couple of more of these fascinating facts from your survey? I'm sorry. Can you repeat that? Could you give us a couple more uh, 
Examples, oh, and a couple more facts. Sir. Yes, of course. Sure, sure. So um, <clears throat> the other interesting things, um, as I mentioned, that uh, you know, men were more likely to read books to improve their skills, and women said they were more likely to take a class. Um, and I, uh, I, I personally thought that was interesting because I, th I think it's somewhat related to in you know in recent years, women have been um, you know the 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 top uh, performers in the classroom. Um, we've seen that uh, you know data. Um, come out, you know. Gosh, I think it's probably probably been the last twenty or thirty years, but um, that uh, it, you know, it's I think what I take from that is, you know, given women have had success in the classroom, they're likely to return to that in order to, mm -hmm. um, you know, try to, you know, kind of th th they've they've proven themselves successful in that environment, so they go to that environment again when it comes to improving their um, entrepreneurial skills. Um, the other interesting uh, finding was that. When we asked the question, what do you think is the most important trait of an entrepreneur, men answered that they thought patience was the most important trait, and women thought that networking was most important. And so um, we looked at that and thought, gosh, why might that be? And um, of course, you know, we are, um, we are making assumptions based on, you know, what we know about our customers or our personal entrepreneurial experiences. But, um, but my guess here is that um, generally speaking, um, men tend to have stronger, um, stronger networks that's shown in research. And, um, and also is shown in research that um, men tend to be less patient. So my take on this is that the, the, the sex or the gender is trying to say, you know, say the most important thing is kind of the thing I don't have and I really need that. <laughs> um, but so we thought that was an interesting result. And then um, that's that's really fascinating. Please continue. You're, sure. you're delivering sure. some fascinating information. Sure. Um, the other finding we had was that um, men are twice as likely to have raised over $100,000 to fund their venture. Um, and I think that's probably not surprising to most people. Again, research um, has shown that the, the financing institutions like venture capital tend to be male-dominated. And so it, you know, it, it is probably, you know, there probably are just inherent biases that are really difficult for research and and, and surveys to get at. Um, I guess my, my other personal take on that is, having worked with many male and female entrepreneurs over the years, um, I, I, I sense that women tend to be less, not less confident to take the money, but less confident unless they're really sure it's, you know, they're going to get the best return. Um, and actually, I believe we have seen some research supporting that as well, that you know, in terms of financial returns, women tend to um, there are certain instances where you know women are performed better in that um, in that area. So um, I, you know I do think you know again maybe while there are some kind of uh, systemic reasons why you know women aren't raising as much money, I think also it can be related to the fact that I think women are maybe less likely to ask for um, to ask for the money or for to, to ask for that amount of money. Can I interrupt you and? Um and talk to you about uh, uh, another survey I, I saw. Do you think there's also a bias on the part of uh, some investors to invest in women uh, rather than uh, they would prefer to invest in men? I would call it, I, I, I don't, I think it happens. I'm not sure I would call it a bias, or rather I worry the word bias implies something unintended. And let me try to explain that. I do think that, um, at least when it comes to raising venture capital, 
any venture capitalist and entrepreneur will tell you that a lot of it has to do with the network, with you know who you've um, you know worked with before and who you have relationships with. And so I think you know that tends to give um, you know investors comfort in you know who they're going to invest in. And so because maybe women tend to have you know fewer of those networks or, or those networks aren't as kind of established. Um, for them, as, as as they have been for men over the years, that just you know is it's it's just a truism, and so whether that presents itself as a bias, I'm not sure. I would again use those words, but I do think that that's that's one of the reasons why it happens. Not so much because you know a venture capitalist doesn't believe that a you know female entrepreneur can have the same success as a male entrepreneur. I don't think it's a gender thing. I think it's a um, sort of a systemic way in which the genders have operated in business over the years that have led to how business gets done is just a little more challenging for um, you know women to kind of break those those normals. Well, it's fascinating. Um, uh, to sum up, after seeing all this. Um, What's, what are some of the conclusions you came looking at all of this yeah. data? Yeah, what are the conclusions that I came to? Well, um, so I kind of came to conclusions both from a personal perspective as, again, I was an entrepreneur at one point and I do work with many entrepreneurs in my, um, in my day-to-day job. And so what encouraged me to think about is, again, not so much about um, you know, the, the, the fact that these, these differences do exist and, you know, there's no, no getting around it. And we can sort of kill ourselves to figure out why that was and, you know, maybe why that wasn't right or, you know, whatever it is. But I think what I take from it is what can we do now? What can we do now, now that we know, you know, where these, these biases or these discrepancies are and how can we um, be mindful of them such that we are, um, you know, giving both males and females, you know, the chance they need to be successful with their venture, whether that's helping them, you know, whether that's helping men be more patient, whether that's helping women develop their networks, you know, how can we as, you know, again, as 99designs a company and broader as a society support um, both of the genders in their entrepreneurial ventures and how can we do that without, um, without sort of blaming too much on the past and really trying to look forward um, to, uh, you know, the, the, the positive ways in which business can get done today and how to address those and, and addressing those um, inherent discrepancies. Well, uh, it's really fascinating. Now, you also had another topic that you wanted to talk about. We did have another. Yeah, so um, so I wasn't sure. The other uh, topic I saw that was on the website um, where you said we were going to talk about some um, great tools for entrepreneurs who are looking to get started. And um, we, uh, as I mentioned, we do a lot of work with entrepreneurs, so we are always, and, and frankly, 99designs is still a relatively small company. We like to think of ourselves as a startup, and we like to keep ourselves, um, you know, in the know and the latest and greatest tools. So, um, you know, I guess I thought I might well, first Before you go any you know, further, wait, before you go any further, I want yeah. you, the people to know we're, we're talking with the, Pamela Weber, she's CMO of 99designs. And what's your website, Pamela? So we are 99designs.com. That's 99designs.com. We're a global marketplace mm-hmm. for um, graphic designers and entrepreneurs to get graphic design done. 
Well, I'm, I'm glad we got that in. So now go, go right ahead, please. You're doing sure. such a great job. So, oh, well, thank you. Um, so the topic I was going to talk about was um, what kind of tools there are out there to help entrepreneurs get themselves off the ground. And, of course, it really depends on the type of business you're, you're in. If you are um, a personal trainer interested in opening your own gym, you're really going to be looking at um, tools and services around getting your real estate um, in place for your gym, the legal documentation you might need to make sure that your you know, personal uh, assets and um, are, are, are kept um, secure. Um, if you're starting, a, you know, a technology company, it's all about how do I find, you know, engineers and other people to help me build my software product. So it kind of depends. But at the, at the very least, I might start with just some of the basics. The basics are you need to make sure that, you know, legally um, and sort of financially you're, you're protected. And one of the best um, tools I recommend is, um, or first tools I recommend to any entrepreneur is to make sure that you get a business bank account such that you can separate your, in, your investment and your business investment from, from, your, personal, um, from your personal activities. So that's uh, um, tool number one, if you will. Uh, I would then make sure that you get um, any legal documentation done, and depending on your business, you may feel the need to hire a lawyer a lawyer with a specialty in your industry, or if you're just looking to uh, incorporate a business, um, uh, you know, as, sort of as a standard business, you can look to some tools like LegalZoom or even Rocket Lawyer to get those forms um, to get those forms in place. Um, back to the finance side, um, I always found QuickBooks to be very useful. Most accountants are familiar with the software, and um, you know, again, when you are uh, when you when you're you know trying to make sure that are you making money or are, are you not making money, um, QuickBooks is a great way in which to uh, a great software tool in which to make sure that you're doing that. Um, the other, if you are in, even if you don't have an internet um, site or website as part of your business. The Google suite of products is very helpful, whether that's Google Docs, Google Spreadsheets, Google Slides. Um, they are free, uh, and they really do provide you a powerful way and, frankly, a less expensive way to, um, to keep business, um, to, to put together business documents. Also, if you do have a website, Google Analytics is a wonderful tool to help you understand how your website is performing. Um, those are some of the basics. Maybe one more basic. If you are going to collect payments, um, both Square and PayPal are very affordable options um, by which to create a merchant account and um, enable your customers to pay you, which is always um, a good thing. Um, and let's see. So those are the um, and the other one maybe that's you know kind of a basic is. Um, a voicemail service. So um, again, back to the theme of separating your business from your personal, you can go to grasshopper.com and you can get a voicemail or a, a phone number, a business phone number that can connect to your cell phone so that you know when you know a business call is coming in versus um, a personal call. And you can also then um, provide you know special voicemail messages for the customers that call in. I don't know, Don. Is there any? Um, are there any other maybe types of businesses that um, are popular with, um, with your audience? Um, I'd be happy to try to think of um, some of those tools that might be um, good for specific industries or types of businesses. Well, let me ask you two questions. First one: Well, how did you come up with the name Ninety Nine? <laughs> how did we come up with the name Ninety Nine? Mm -hmm, sure. So um, the um, so. 
the the idea of designers submitting designs was um kind of a it, it was is how the company got started <clears throat> so there was a excuse me there was a uh, a company in Australia called SitePoint, and on the SitePoint forum, um, one of the um, one of the, the the people on the forum said, "Hey, I'm looking for a design," and and these designers started just sort of um, riffing off of a concept, and they were calling it design ping pong. Um, and someone uh, eventually they you know they were doing this back and forth, and one day a customer said, "Hey, I'm I'm willing to pay for this." And a business model was born. And so part of that was, wow, we, you know, what part of this business model is you get so many designs. And so the idea of you get 99 designs when, um, you know, you come to 99 designs was, you know, kind of a, 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 an easy way to help customers understand um, what the product did and how um, and what you would get when you use the product. Okay. And then now, out of all this, what are the one or two things that you would you would tell any um, small business leader or its startup that you you yep. yourself. Yep. So I think the one thing I would say, which I you know took with me as an entrepreneur, which I see time and time again with the entrepreneurs I work with, is that you really need to expect things to cost twice as much and take three times as long. I think that's um, <laughs> that's the challenge with entrepreneurship is that. It really does require this, um, you know, this belief and this vision that success, you know, is is at your fingertips. Because you you couldn't even, you know, engage in in the journey if you didn't, you know, believe that, you know, in your in your core, right? Um, that being said, it do, you know you do need to be practical and think about how entrepreneurship is going to be a part of your life. And, um, you know, generally speaking, it's just you know it's sort of easy to get wrapped up in the in the in the vision and the idea of what your business can be, and I think it's important just to you know assume yes, of course you're you know yes you want you know want to believe you're successful and yes you should absolutely assume you're going to be successful because you are. I would never tell anyone differently. That being said, you should assume that it's going to cost twice as much and take three times as long. Well, we we've been talk, talking with Pamela Weber. She's chief marketing officer of 99designs.com. She's been filling us in terrifically, and we want to thank you for for coming today. And I want to invite you back to talk more uh, some later on this year. Please come back. I'd I'd love to, Don. Thanks so much for having me, and have a great day. You too. Thank you. Okay. Bye bye. Thank you for listening. We will be back next week with other guests invited to help you, our audience, improve operations, expand marketing, reduce cost, enable better personnel management, and add profits. Remember, all of our shows are archived at www.blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. You can hear this show and all others at your leisure. If you like the show, tell others about it. Want to make a comment or be a guest? Email us at editor at is-incorp.com. Your host was Don Mazella, Editorial Director of Small Business Digest. Until next time, keep faith with the ideals that made America great. And remember, small business is still the backbone of commerce.